Check it all out. <clears throat> Those little almond butter things are delicious. Oh, man, they're amazing. Man. <clears throat> Let's do a plug for them. Can we do a commercial right here at the beginning? Yeah. <clears throat> I got it. Hungry? Listen to podcasts? <laughs> Grab a Nature Valley Biscuits with almond butter. They're fantastic. We should send that to him. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Link in the description below. <clears throat> Purchase at any local. For every Costco. biscuit you eat. Yeah. <clears throat> so whenever I mean, it doesn't happen much, but when British people come, I feel like they would be very offended by the term biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tasty treat. Hey. Well, butter my biscuit. What's happening? <laughs> Yes, that's recorded. Perfect. It's a good way to start. Awesome. <laughs> so we well, record buns and call me a biscuit. We we record everything and use it all. So as blackmail. Yeah. Good. If there's uh there's anything that you don't want us to use, then don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you sign that. It's one easier. Non disclosure. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. editing happens yeah. a lot faster. So uh Brian Phipps. Welcome. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Welcome hey, to the Underground thanks. Podcast. So I know from experience recording with you for the Disciples Made podcast, which you host, that you're very professional, that you uh, have questions prepared, <laughs> that you know where you're headed with the podcast, and it's so well done. And so uh, just in honor of that, we thought through that today, mm. and uh, <clears throat> we didn't do anything. So... Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lots of love, a lot of respect. I, you know, they say that uh, you you tend to model the people or reflect the modeling of those you respect. So that tells me a good deal right yeah. there. <clears throat> I love it. I'm just let that hang for a minute. Yep. yep. Totally. <laughs> Actually, I I've been listening to the Underground podcast, and I the next seasons is going to be a lot less planned going to be doing like three a week a lot less planned uh just asking uh normal people normal questions so i'm really looking forward to it yeah we're uh we're recording three this week mm -hmm. so this is the first time nice. we've gone big like that but anyway we'll see what happens <laughs> hey your your uh your goatee looks terrific it's a full beard i will thank you oh, turn, yeah, oh, yeah your, your, he's got the side thing going your on beard too. looks terrific oh, yeah don't, don't take that away. Well, I, mean, I just seen him straight on here, and it was, you know, the chin strap. I like it. Yeah. It's good looking. I think so too. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm if, blushing. And every everyone listening to this podcast agrees. See. Just imagine this great beard. Hey, Brian, we're doing a series through the book "In the Way" by Damian Girk. And okay. I just got, uh, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine out on the West Coast. Shout out to TD. What's up, buddy? Yo. Um, and he I just said, I know TV. TV. I know yeah. TV. Yeah, Phipps does. Oh. He said, man, this has like, been such a helpful podcast series, doing a deep dive into the book. Oh, cool. Uh, just because of his context and uh, thinking through it. So today we have Brian, you're on to help us think through kind of like the second part of this series. So in the first several episodes, we were walking through. Uh, just what the church is, uh, so location versus identity. And now we're kind of in the second part of the book that talks about what the church does. And we did an intro on programmatic versus personal. And then we're interviewing you and our buddy Guy, who leads our international hub, and talking about 
just this idea of going from programmatic disciple making to personal disciple making. Um, and we want to, I'm trying to remember the comment that we pulled up that was so important. Uh, it wasn't in the book. It was like a comment about FIPS where it's like, um, for you, disciple making, you made that shift mm-hmm. of, you know, I'm, I'm in the prevailing model church. We're looking for uh, more and better small group leaders. And you made this shift into, no, it's about making disciples that make disciples. And hey, guess what? We ended up with more and better small group leaders. <laughs> mm. um, but I know that you have disciple making out to, I, I, at one point it was like, I know seven generations on some of those strands of people that have multiplied, that have multiplied, that sort of thing. But we just want to hear your journey today, talk through, ask some questions that come up of what was that shift like as a church pastor? Your role, like literally your email was small groups, dude, at Gmail. Yeah. You can, you can email. Life group dude. Life group dude. That's right. (laughs) So you can email Brian now. (laughs) Does that one still work? (laughs) Yes, Uh, it does, unfortunately. Yeah. So (laughs) let's talk about that. Um, the, the disciple making journey for you of that shift from program to personal investing in people's lives. I don't know, man, just take it away. Let's see where we go. I, I have an old email address called the pastor Oz at gmail.com. So if you want to be embarrassed, the pastor, yeah, Oz. It, no one knew it. It just f- other emails forwarded there, but it's okay. We've, we've all grown. <laughs> all right. Well, everything that Brian said now go, go Phipps. Yeah, I've got two questions that are on the table. So y'all kind of direct me. So I make sure that I uh, serve you the best way that I can. Question one was tell me the story of how all that evolved. And question two was break down what I perceive to be the difference between program and personal. Uh, where do you want me to start? Because really the story. Well, well, that's actually what we just, that when we prepped for this episode, that's what we wrote down. Yeah, exactly, those exactly what you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah that. Yeah. Those two questions. Yeah, we felt totally. Like. Yeah. Let's go to the latter <laughs> one first. You think, let's talk uh, through the difference between the two and the way that you see it. And, and you can maybe weave the story yeah. in if it's helpful. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll try, I'll try to go that route. Um, I've always, I'm a, I'm a strong extrovert. Uh, uh, if, if I would have done my A pass 20 years ago or even 15 years ago, I would have been high on the S uh, T scale. Uh, that's very different now. Y'all know me, you kind of know the way I uh, operate, but I've always been a strong people person and I still am. Uh, and so uh, I've always wanted to bring a personal element into what I do. It is about relationships, et cetera. Uh, in a, in a major, major, major way. Um, the, and I've always leveraged programs to do that. Uh, I don't want to be limited by just programs that are scheduled by the church, but I would say, uh, I would probably want to create this continuum. What's the difference between a program and, and something that has structure, uh, because, uh, something can have structure, uh, and be, and be more scalable perhaps than things that lack structure. Like if you started on a continuum, this has very, very little to no structure. This has super rigid structure, like where on the continuum, would I find myself wanting to be. And, um, and what I, from what I know from overseas movements, they can scale things with very little structure and go God for that. 
Mm-hmm. That means the people haven't been trained in a way where they feel like they need the skeleton given to them before they can be a ligament that makes that skeleton move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, I think in the States, there's got to be at least in most of the suburban context that I've been a part of, uh, there's there's almost this need for a measure of structure for it to be able to scale because people don't see themselves as competent enough to be the instigators of, of movement. So I would say um, that's the way I would come across that answer. If it's not personal, then 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 it's not going to be real. It's not going to be meaningful. And if it's not at least somewhat structured or to use your term programmatic, uh, it's got limitations in its capacity to scale. Mm. Uh, I certainly don't want to be these one of these hyper rigid people. Like the disciple made groups are pretty hyper structured and hyper rigid, but the goal isn't to be in them forever. The goal is to let that be kind of a reorientation experience where you develop new rhythms and new new ways of living and ways of approaching life so that when you're out, you're different and you carry those rhythms in less of a structured way. So that's kind of my uh, free form uh, response to that. So uh, anything you want to double click into there before I try to go into the second piece? Well, before you go into the second piece and maybe you can do this in the second piece. I just realized we have all sorts of context for right. you. Yeah. <laughs> right. We introduced your name, but not what you do like for a living. And that is your passion, your calling in yeah. life. So right. may, maybe do that. So people have an understanding because <laughs> I still need to sit with all the things that you just said, process them for them. Right. But it, that's all going to land probably if they understand a little bit of where your journey is and how that all came about. So, right. Right. Yep. Gotcha. So uh, Brian Phipps, as they've already said, I founded a little ministry called Disciples Made. I started full time about three and a half years ago. Prior to that, I was a pastor in a local congregation for 22 years, 23 years, and uh, thought I would do that for the rest of my life. Uh, I've, uh, I've planted a church, I've transitioned to church, and then I was nine years in a large mega church. Uh, through it all, I had a deep conviction that we need to do better in and through people but I didn't know how, Uh, but it was a relentless uh, pursuit of trying to figure that out. And I didn't really have the time or the energy or the leadership gumption to do that until I got into that mega environment. Uh, 5,000 member church, uh, had about 120 small groups. And the only thing those small group leaders had in common was their lack of trust in (laughs) <laughs> the small group leadership in the church because they'd gone from kind of one model to the next model to the next model and everybody was so frustrated because i was invited to come and lead them into the next model of a uh, small group type of uh, uh formation and things like that so uh what happened in that uh process was i finally had the time and the energy and then i'll say this the deep conviction Without conviction, no change is ever made. And conviction is kind of the hardest thing to get. I really consider conviction to be a spiritual gift because it's a gift from the spirit. It's not something that we tend to generate on our own. Mm. Uh, But Jesus gave me that deep conviction that you will multiply people. You will multiply uh, spiritual influencers here. You're not going to just add people to small groups. You will multiply disciples. And, And I remember saying after 22 years, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Because <laughs> yeah. I would be doing it if I did, because I'm working as hard as I can. I'm working as smart as I can. I've gone to all these additional conferences. I've applied what they've said. I would be there if I could. So apparently I am doing 
this wrong. Mm. And I'm just going to let that one sit for a minute. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Can I say he sucks on this show? Yeah, yeah as but, much as you want. This is an explicit okay. podcast, actually. So <laughs> It's going to be flagged. As <laughs> That's awesome. But think about it. Two master's degrees, 22 years of experience. At that time, you know, a good 15 years of experience. And having to admit you don't know how to do it. Wow. That was painful. Yeah. That was difficult. But Jesus was so clear about how he led me in that conviction thing. It was, I'll be with you. Like, that's what I hear in the great commission. It isn't just the command to go. It's the promise of two things. One is authority and two is presence. And, uh, if, if I've got his authority and his presence going with me, as I walk into that new territory, I don't have to be afraid. Um, and so that's kind of how it rolled and disciples made, uh, the, this, this thing that's now a not-for-profit ministry that's creating a, uh, ever expanding toolbox for disciple makers to use, uh, it started with that, that conviction. And it started with me taking my current small group that I was a part of, um, and developing people that weren't ready to be made into leaders, into leaders, some of them now pastors, other not-for-profit leaders. It's just amazing what happened out of that. So basically when I did that with that first group, the transformation inside of those guys is for guys and gals now, but that first group, I just figured would be the only group, uh, was just, was just 11, uh, no name guys, uh, in the church, uh, were the, uh, transformation in them and then the leadership gumption and kingdom partnership that developed uh in them during that thing to scratch our heads and go what have we just done Hmm. like jesus told us what to do and we did it and now the results are crazy what is it that we just did i mean we can just keep replicating this or we can ask what are the the irreducible minimums of this and so disciples made is built on the answers to those questions uh and it's been iterated for the last 12 years so that's yeah. who i am beautiful one of my favorite things phipps when i hear you talk about disciples is how you describe what a disciple is and you, you talk about those kind of three c words so can you can you go into that a little bit as it's it's we share very similar or the same convictions when we talk about um, movement stuff globally. We talk about, man, yeah. we, we focus so much on knowledge, right? And it's like if we can just teach a bunch of information, then boom. Um, but right. you kind of approach it a little differently. I'd love to hear you unpack that a little. I would say violently differently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the language I talk about is I'm in a holy war against content-focused disciple-making because all it does is create a gap between who we are and who we know we should be. Can I, can I quote, can I quote you on that? I am yeah. in a holy war against content focused disciple. Yeah, write that down, write that down and, and say, I said it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I say that often because, and, and, you know, and I think for things to, to change, somebody has to step out and be that strong about it. Otherwise it won't change. I mean, we're, we're grown, we are developed in a school system that is didactic like that. It's, it's uh, content focused. The only ones that aren't content focused are like honors programs or <laughs> super expensive schools where they actually yeah. engage the students in the process. But back to your question, Corey. Um, <clears throat> Sorry. He just asked what I didn't mean to take off on the side road. It was totally worth it. That was just my fault. So. All right. The C's. No, I love it. 
Yeah. So what one of the things that Jesus asked me to do at the very beginning of that process, Corey, was uh, ask about how does the how does the Godhead actually change people? If I'm looking for transformation and not just information, what's the transformation look like? What's the measurable? What's the end zone? What's the outcome? Where are we headed? And uh, and I remember he just said, give me a review of the you know the functionality of the three persons of the Godhead. And uh, clearly the spirit is the one that applies this salvation, what we call sanctification. And I'm like, well, what are the two ways that he does that? And it was fruit of the spirit. There's the spirit word for mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. And then uh, and the gifts of the spirit. The fruit is what's cultivated in us that changes the way, the, the kind of people that we are. Mm-hmm. The word we use for that is character. Uh, and I'll, I'll just kind of share, you know, when I read Mike Breen's book later, which is, I think, the big correlation that we have. So character. Um, and then uh, the second one, the gifts of the spirit are what gets deposited in us by the Holy Spirit. Uh, part of that seal guaranteeing our inheritance, I believe, from Ephesians 1. Uh, and those gifts are the kind of the things that we do. One's who are becoming, the other is kind of the, the key tools he's given us to use in order to participate and bringing the, the, the reign and rule and the beauty and the majesty and shalom of Jesus to the planet. And so the words I attributed to that were character and calling, character and calling. And, uh, and what I saw was, as we focused on those two particular outcomes, it made a significant impact in the lives of the guys that were focused on it. Uh, and then also through uh, the guy. So that character times calling equals impact has become uh, our equation at mm-hmm. Disciples Made. And the reason I mentioned Mike Breen, I'll go back and circle back to that. The language that I'm pretty sure all DMM and uh, all, all folks use is the character and competency. Develop those two things, character and competencies. Uh, we engage people. And there's a ton of overlap. I chose, I remember when I read that book, it was uh, discovering, uh, make, creating disciple making movements or something that Mike Breen uh, put out a number of years ago. I remember sitting in my office reading that and saying, I could boil down disciple making to two things. And I'm like, you know, what, are, like what, what are they? Well, and their character and, and, and competence, like, yeah, that's close enough. But uh, I went dancing around. I went to every other pastor's office and said, look, 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 you know, because Mike brings, uh, you know, a, a given authority in this area and, and a lot of other folks like Dave Watson and all, I use similar language. And I'm like, man, this is a God thing. So mm-hmm. character times calling equals impact. Those are the measurables. We help people get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, just working with DM too and being able to hang with you. It's like, I know it's not just for the sake of doing that. Like what's the motivation behind that? Um, John 10, 10. Yeah, I know. I was just trying to <laughs> think he's of a snarky feed, way to he's answer to this. Feed you the answer. Just go. And I love that because I'm dense and I'm on Claritin D, which makes me double or triple dense. <laughs> well, yeah, this reason- podcast brought to you by Claritin D. <laughs> <laughs> The reason that I brought up that piece is it's not like there's there's a motivation behind that that has changed the way that I see disciple making. Yeah. That's not about I have to do this because just because Jesus said it. Right. That's not about disciple making because I read it in the Bible or because, right. you know, Corey said I should go do that or something. Do you say right. that? Anyway, you should. Like the po- there, there's a motivation that is stronger than all that, which is this John 10, 10 fully alive peace yeah jesus didn't come to answer the christian or the jew problem 
He came to answer the human condition. Mm -hmm. Every individual on the planet, unless they have some type of serious um, uh, brokenness, has uh, has has an empty longing or two two significant longings that nothing can permanently fill. Uh, and the first one is for intimacy. Uh, we we long to love and be loved, um, and we and we actually go to great lengths to do that. We'll actually go to some very very dark corners mm-hmm. to experience what the Bible describes as intimacy. John uh, John seventeen is the recorded prayer of Jesus talking about how he wants us to be one as he is in the father or one. I'll never experience intimacy down here the way Jesus does with the father, but I've had tastes of it. And the rest of my life is really yearning to experience that I mentioned earlier, my people person, I lead uh, disciples made groups uh, uh, all the time. As soon as I finish one, I start another one. Why? Because that intimacy with other individuals and learning who more about who I am as I uh, get around people, different people over time, uh, is just, I, I, I crave it. Hmm. Like I'm 54 years old. I've been married to my wife, 27 years. I hate going on, uh, consulting trips anymore because I'm going to be three days away from the most important people in my world. Um, I hunger for intimacy. Uh, I also hunger for influence. I like to know I'm going to make a difference in in the world and it's nice to be this old and this far down after taking some big leaps of faith in my life to know that there's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands if our strategy works out of people whose lives will be significantly different because i obeyed and jesus showed up in that obedience and touched people's lives we, we have a natural hunger for intimacy and influence and uh and i'll 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 make this quick it's not an accident that 100% of the people on the planet have those two. Uh, it's actually seen, if you read uh, intently in the book of Genesis, chapter um, 1, uh, verses 27 and 28, God, when he created Adam and Eve, told him to do two things. He said, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. If you look closely at that, intimacy is required to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. It's like he created us, and then he told us what to do. So the assumption is he created us for those things. Yeah. And now knowing that that's a universal longing for every human being, it's like, duh. Um, and then in John 10, 10, uh, Jesus says this, uh, the thief came to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Let me just park on that. You know, thief came to steal, kill and destroy real quick. What did he come to steal, kill and destroy? I think he's making a commentary there on Genesis 1, 27 and 28. He destroyed our capacity to fully experience intimacy and influence. And he's kept us longing for it. Like, like a stake held over a poor dog's head, just, you know, two feet higher than he can jump. It's like, that's the way this thing's been set up. We long for it. And so we will just eat the, we'll just eat the refuse that's on the ground. That's accessible Mm. because we can't get to the stake. And that's what we do. And I think, um, we were created for intimacy and influence. We tend to settle for false intimacy and uh, power. And I know this is seen a lot in a, in a real quick right. uh, portion of time, but uh, fantastic. Yeah, keep going. the entire Old Testament is a story of intimacy and influence gone bad. Mm-hmm. Rape, uh, 
you know, second generation, a brother kills another brother out of insecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's power. That's influence gone bad. That's power. Right. I just, and the difference. I just did yeah. a, a DBS this morning with my kids on David and Bathsheba and Uriah. Hmm. That's power and right. that's yeah, intimacy it's, it's and all, influence yeah, gone them, bad. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's the story's universal. If I can't have intimacy with my wife because she's angry at me, my, you know, temptation, I, I'm speaking for a friend, you know, not myself, totally. is to this. go to a really dark place uh, to try to find that. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Because I want it so bad. So, yeah. so Jesus comes in and he says, um, and he doesn't just give us the diagnosis of what went wrong. <laughs> what the devil did <clears throat> in Genesis wasn't make him eat a forbidden fruit. He made him doubt the provision of God. And they went from what God could provide me to what I could provide me. It went yeah. from me serving God and therefore others to me serving me. And then he left us with that. And I can never fulfill my need. And I certainly can't make other people fulfill it. So my life is going to be spent either using people for that end, which we see a ton of in the world, or we can use what we've been given to capture intimacy and influence. Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. What's he mean? I want to develop character, uh, which is all about developing intimacy. I want to develop calling, which is about developing influence in a way that serves God and others. And the more our character goes up, the more our intimacy goes up. If I'm more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, gentle, good, and self-controlled to my wife and kids, they like me more. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the more I understand my gifts and use them in my area of passion, I'm making a difference in the world. It's, it's touching other lives. And I get that uh, uh, influence bucket filled up. And the more the character and calling buckets are filled up, the intimacy and influence buckets are filled up. And the more I am fully alive. It's a universal human problem mm. that Jesus came to solve, That's not cool. just a Christian or a Jewish problem. So good, man. Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking of two people, two types of, of people that I'd love, I'd love for you to speak to. I mean, on one, on one side, we've got uh, people who have been in church for a long time and they're, uh, they're, they have this kind of holy longing for something more but they feel ill-equipped or they, what, something's holding them back. I'd love for you to speak to that group of people. Also love to speak to you, uh, speak to those who, um, I don't know. What, what does this all look like outside the walls of a church? So that's like the, I don't know. It could be the same group of people. It could be a different group of people where it's like what all this stuff that you're talking about in terms of kind of the world that we live in, right? Making disciples that make micro churches. And um, so, yeah, I'd love to be able to hear your thoughts on kind of both sides of that. Yeah, I'm going to try to come at them together. And if in doing that, I don't adequately answer and push, just push. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll shame you a lot if that happens. So good. I like, I like shame. It motivates me powerfully. Uh, (laughs) So I, I would say that there's absolutely no difference between those two audiences when it comes to their yearnings. Cause like I said, yearnings for intimacy and influence are universal Absolutely. unless there's some type of major uh, issue um, where your brain just broke because of trauma or whatever. So their, their yearnings are different. Um, I would say that the people outside of the church have a higher percentage chance of locking into this type of discipleship journey Mm. or sanctification journey or recovering my fully alive life journey. I would use all of those synonymously, by the way, Mm. 
Um, Why? They're going to have an easier time getting into it simply because they haven't been told that Jesus can fill it in a way that was wrong. Yeah, that's right. So it's, it's like there's no deconstruction that they have to do. Here's the disadvantage. And I want to talk directly to people that are in the church, that first audience you have. Um, I want to just say to you, whether you're in your car or whether you're on the toilet, I'm sorry. We I always assume they're in the car. Just yeah. they're, they're, all, they're all in the car. <laughs> all of our listeners. So I had to, yeah, I had to bring the toilet yeah, into it. Wherever you are, man, solid, if you're on a walk, whatever. This is an explicit podcast. <laughs> there we go. That more that you believe there is and are about to give up on thinking will ever happen for you, it really is there. It really is there. Don't give up thinking that it's there. What I just described, your capacity to actually become more loving, filled with joy, have peace instead of anxiety, mm. be gentle instead of harsh, like all those things, they are really, really there. I'll be the first one to tell you that I thought I would lose my marriage early on because I was not the man I was supposed to be. And I was in stinking seminary at the time. Mm but I leaned hard into these promises that Jesus made in the scriptures that he would heal. He would do more than we could ask or imagine. And when I came to a core repentance about this, like who I was instead of um, trying to change surface level things. And that's a, another topic for another podcast transformation radically happened in my life. And that's the reason disciples made exist. Cause I want other people to tap into the real meaningful life change that I uh, discovered uh, through Jesus alone, through Jesus alone. Like mm. he's the only one that has the framework of if you want to become more, you got to become less. I mean, it's, it is, it's upside down. It's flying upside down. Mm. Um, but, uh, but he's right. And so anyway, uh, <clears throat> so what is the stuff that, keeps you then from thinking that we've kind of all been taught if we get the right information, we'll make the right application. If we make the right application, then we'll take the appropriate steps and we'll get there. I think the biggest thing is that, and I'm going to say this in a coarse way. I think the contemporary church, at least in the United States, at least the suburban ones that I've experienced have basically recreated an Old Testament model where people are the mediators, mm. like the priests of the Old Testament. Yeah. That could be great priests or they could be poor priests. Uh, the problem is Jesus came and blew the mediator model out and said, I want you to become dependent directly on the Spirit of God without a mediator telling you what the Spirit's saying. And the reason I can say this with conviction and a, a strong measure of assurance is that there are people that have been in the church for 20, 30 years, very, they're a part of that 20% that do 80% of the work. They've been there the whole time. They come into these experiences and for the first time in their uh, disciples made experience and for the first time in their life, they're, um, they're required to read scripture, journal scripture in a very simple way. It's obedience based. You guys use that language. Uh, they make an observation and they, and they choose an, I will statement and they do it in the context of accountability with two or three others. Mm. For most of them, they've never experienced this in their lives mm. ever. And they say over and over again, disciples made is great. I learned how to listen to Jesus. 
And that's what made the biggest difference in my life. Well, who were you listening to before? And what it's hard to say is, well, I've been listening to Jesus through my preacher, yeah. or I've been listening to Jesus through my favorite podcast or, you know, teacher online. Casey Underground. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm th- you know, the, I listened to Stanley or, or Beth Moore or, you know, whoever your hero is, I've kind of done my Jesus through them, but not directly to Jesus. Well, if, if that continues to be your practice, then I don't know that you'll ever taste what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Amen. But you know, <clears throat> you don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not dead yet. Mm. Hey, I got one more. So did I go? Go ahead. No, that was yeah. great, man. That was perfect. I have one more question for uh, you today. Knowing that we have, uh, like, we've got, you know, listeners that are connected to the Kansas City Underground because they're partners in this city for gospel saturation, but we also have, we know, listeners that are in prevailing model churches. I know it's not your only focus, but for a while for the focus of DM, it was helping churches create disciple-making pathways within their their systems, uh, their structures, all that kind of stuff. You do have a heart for, like, taking that massive ship and turning it. Like, you you don't yes. you haven't given up on it. Bless you, my brother. <laughs> so, and I mean, I'm with you in that. I just let you lead out front. <laughs> so, what's the? Um, I, I guess I want to give you just one moment to say, like, for those that are listening that are still in that model and they're going, I mostly experience programmatic sort of disciple making, and it's not really making. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's making a difference, but I do feel that more. And I, th- I think in some ways you've answered the question that was sort of at the top of my head. But like, if you're speaking to those pastors or church leaders, small group leaders, whoever, it's like, we're trying to make a shift into like everything I hear you saying, even with the intimacy and influence, it can't happen outside of the context of a, some depth of relationship that's not a manufactured, come into this room and read this book and do this thing. Even though some of that's involved in the experiences that you've created. Right. But like, what's the shift? Yeah, what's the encouragement? What's the, what would you say? Well, I want to start by saying if you've had the nudge, perhaps a repeated nudge to do something different and you're 10 years down the road from the first nudge, um, then I would probably repeat this thing over and over until you finally repent. (laughs) And here's why that's, I'm not trying to be mean or angry or anything like that. It just comes uh, there will, another, <laughs> another 10 years are going to go by and eventually you're going to be so old that you can only live with regret for what you didn't do or integrity for what you did. And if you heard the prompting of God over and over and over, and for whatever reason, ignorance, lack of courage, lack of time, too many plates to spin, whatever it is, if you chose not to do it, one day you're going to have to live with that. Mm. And, and if I'm getting the book right, it, you know, I think it's Ezekiel talks about where the watchman, when the enemy mm-hmm. is, uh, is, you know, and, and if the enemy starts to approach, if we don't sound the alarm, the blood's on our hands. Mm. And I, in a lot of ways, I feel like we've been given this message to steward. Hey, we're not getting the job done. We all kind of admit that we're not getting the job done, but we're not willing to make 
the sacrifice is necessary to get the real job done because we've got this other thing we've got to keep spending all the time. Well, if that's you, there's only one person that can break the cycle hmm. and that's you. Yeah. So you've, there's options here. We have a story, which I, I never really, I shared a little bit of it, I guess. We have a story and we have tools and they're reproducible and they're extremely inexpensive. And then you've got like the outworking of what those things do in the underground, like right here between the people on this call, you have all the assets in the world that you ever need to actually get this done. And so it's going to be on you. I mean, if you're not getting nudged, then I'm, I'm talking to a wall and you're probably not listening to this podcast. Anyway, you're probably <laughs> yes, listening sir. to this podcast because right, they're, they're probably not listening to this particular podcast because we've said the same right. thing over and over again for a year. So, yeah, but I'll say, I'll say this as well. Um, what you will notice if you're one of those leaders who doesn't make the turn, God will make the turn in this country around you because he is currently raising up people that have other jobs, military leaders, stay at home moms, uh, people that own lawn care businesses, people are coming out of the woodworks yearning to multiply disciples, and they don't have the boundaries in place that you do. So lead it or get out of the way. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> nice. I wanted to take over that spot uh, for you today. <laughs> and now nice. I just want to, now I just want to hug you because this is really challenging and yeah, difficult right. to hear, but I, you know, the older I get, the more urgency I have about this. And I'm just thinking if I was the person that was sitting on the toilet or whatever, you know, <laughs> listening to this, I needed somebody to get right in my grill and tell me really how it is, because I will live on this bubble of, I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to, I got to do something this time. But if it's not pushed far enough, I'll just kind of drift back. And that's why I wanted to go all the way. And I hope that you can hear in the tone of my voice that the urgency is coming for you, not against you. Amen. It's yeah. not an indictment. It's an invitation. Yeah. It's not a criticism. It is a call to action. Yeah. And man, I feel like Rick Warren right now. With I was going to say, these, man, you got some uh, solid alliteration going on. <laughs> I did work for the second one because it felt like, you know, anyway. Yeah, I heard it coming. Officially, <laughs> And, and I just want to say, like, if, if anyone is offended, again, that's lifegroupdude at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that okay. call. Okay. I'll take that call. I think it's life groups, dude, though, just for clarity. There's oh, an okay. S in there. Yeah. So. Okay, that's good. I mean, you tried to do a good it's job. It's actually but... not. It's oh, it's not. Oh! Email. See, he's always <laughs> correcting me, but I'm literally always right <laughs> hey, wow and if you i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna write to me to argue with me save your time i'm done with that there's too many people hungry Amen. uh for no, that's this. exactly right that's exactly right but if and, but if you if you feel like if you feel like god's smacking you with this then call me we want to be a friend and an encouragement and a resource yeah and so just to drop that as we wrap up you can check out more at disciplesmade.com explore uh, how they, if like if you're just a church leader and you're wanting someone to walk beside you to recreate some of that, like how do we move from just standard small group practices or Sunday morning whatever we do to really yeah, without thinking blowing them up holistically? That's right. Yeah, yeah without yeah. yeah without setting fire to them. And I know like long term beyond that, for those of you that are listening, they're like, well, I'm not a church leader. It doesn't like the there's a shift for DM of how do we empower everyday people. Uh, and so that's coming in 22. And so look forward to partnering with you 
we'll have you back on for sure. And thank you for uh, just sharing all that you did today with our with our crew. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I love you guys. Love you too, man. Love you, brother. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches and every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.